Good morning, church. It's good to see everyone here today. And Lydia, thank you very much. We're excited what God's doing and what he's leading you guys to do. And it's good to meet you, Ben. And uh, we're excited about your your upcoming wedding in a, just a little less than two months or not even that far, is it? So, uh, and uh, you said the best thing that you could tell any believer is say yes to the Lord before you even know what he wants you to do. So, yeah, we're excited. You know, someone, uh, <clears throat> you know, the mark of a church is not really how many you have gathered. The mark of a church that's doing what the Lord wants you to do is how many you send out. How many you send out. And uh, because we're here to make disciples who will go and make disciples, correct? And go into all the world. Sometimes we forget the need that is so uh, great in the world. And, uh, and I know people that are serving in many different places in the world. Uh, difficult places, but they're there because God's led them there and they're obedient. And they're taking the gospel to people that no one else is taking the gospel to. And so we are excited, Lydia. That's, that was great. I was glad to hear your, your testimony, all that God's taught you. Matthew 13, we're in verses 1 through 23. And the title of the message today is, Is Your Vision Improving or Declining? Is Your Vision Improving or Declining? The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, and they they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain. Some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has an ear, he who has ears, let him hear. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can hardly barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As 
for what was sown on good soil. This is the one who hears the words, the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and the proclamation of his word. Uh, Pete told you about his high school uh, high school reunion. Well, during the uh, ancient history, when I was in high school, um, you could fulfill the requirement for graduation in a couple different ways. You supposedly would become a well-rounded student if you took so many units of classes in math, in English, in science, in the arts, in history, in government, and world languages. However, in Oklahoma, where I was from, you could substitute certain areas for other areas. For example, if you took higher math courses in high school, you wouldn't have to take a world language class. Now, I liked mathematics and was a fairly good mathematics student at that time, so I took a lot of courses in higher math. Uh, and because of this, I never took a course in world languages until I graduated from college and was a student in the seminary. When I got to seminary and I had to take Greek and Hebrew, never, hacky, never having taken a world language previously in my life, I was in a big trouble. Uh, because I didn't know how to study a world language, and I regretted not having any previously world language uh, classes. Also, I took these higher um, math courses in uh, in school, you know, analytic geometry and uh, calculus and all that kind of stuff. But when I got to college, I knew I wasn't going to be a mathematician, and so when I got to college, I took really easy math courses just to fulfill my obligation for requirements to graduate from college. And, uh, and I had all kinds of higher math in high school. And I remember uh, when my math teacher in high school heard what I was taking in college, she was, she was kind of hacked. She said, why are you taking that? You know, she didn't tell me, but through the grapevine, people said, what are you taking that for? He's already had that stuff. Anyway, uh, another kind of repercussion of going the line of least resistance, so to speak, is that um, I didn't use any of those higher math courses after I got out of high school. When my children began to take, algebra, uh, when began to take, learn simple kind of algebraic problems and formulas when they were in the fourth or fifth grade, I thought I'd be able to help them. But you know what? When you don't use something for 35 years, you don't remember it. And I had, I had no, I, I might have been looking at Swahili for, you know, for all I know. I, I could not make heads nor tails of those simple algebraic formulas. Because when you don't use something, you lose it. If you don't put into practice what you know or don't use certain muscles that you should use, you lose the ability to put that into practice or to use those muscles. The process is called atrophy. And atrophy is, is, a, is degeneration or, or uh, due to lack of use. And muscles that are not used will atrophy. And I think it's true in the many parts of life. If we don't use or apply, practice something, we lose our skill or ability uh, to practice them. If you don't use a muscle or a skill or a knowledge, you'll often use the ability to use that muscle or skill or knowledge. 
Now, we've been working through Matthew's Gospel. And we see in Matthew's Gospel, when we come to the, uh, chapter 13, an increasing divide and hostility between those who believe in Jesus and those who are refusing to believe in Jesus. The lines are being drawn. Opposition and hostility to Jesus is becoming well-defined and more intense. Uh, the leaders who are becoming more hostile to Jesus, uh, and Jesus is seeing this. And so in chapter 13, in Matthew, we see that Jesus begins to teach the crowds mainly in parables. In stories called parables. Now parables are stories about common occurrences in life which illustrate spiritual or eternal truths. Um, The parables are designed to teach and convey spiritual realities. However, they'll accomplish different things in the lives of... They were to accomplish different things in the lives of those who were believing in Jesus and those who were not believing in Jesus. They were to enlighten the believer who wants to know and live and grow in the truth. But to those who will not believe, these stories will not actually make sense to them. They won't understand the real meaning of these stories. Now, why did Jesus use the method of teaching in parables? Well, first of all, I think the use of a good story just help, helps us to grasp spiritual truth. Uh, Uh, A good story can help us to comprehend what God wants to say to us. Jesus was a storyteller. Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan and the prodigal son and uh, the story of the the Pharisee and and the tax collector who went to the temple to pray. Jesus used stories all the time. He used stories all the time because they do help us to grasp spiritual truth. When we read the story of the Good Samaritan, we grasp the spiritual truth that every person is our neighbor, that, that we come into contact who is in need and we might can help. When we read the story of the prodigal son, we see, we see that, that God welcomes those who will return to him and come back to him. And we should, we should always avoid self-righteousness and we should always avoid thinking we're better than other people. Uh, we learn that from the story of the prodigal son. And so... Using uh, stories help us to convey spiritual truth. Uh, but, but also, uh, if you don't believe, if you reject the truth, that these stories will not make sense to you. Rejecting God's truth ultimately causes you to become blind to God's truth. Embracing God's truth, responding to God's truth, enables you to continue to grow in God's truth. From Matthew, I think we see this eternal principle that. Can you take me back one? Those who respond to truth receive more truth, and those who reject the truth become more and more deceived. Those who respond to truth receive more truth, and those who reject truth grow more and more deceived. Now, I want you to look at these uh, a couple of principles we see from Matthew 13. First of all, responding to, to, in faith to Jesus enables us to begin to comprehend all of God's truth. Responding to, uh, in faith in Jesus enables us to begin to respond to, to God's truth. Now, Jesus taught a great crowd of people gathered by the Sea of Galilee. He was in the boat. The crowds were on the shore. 
There are many areas in Galilee that are kind of natural amphitheaters where he could speak to hundreds and hundreds of people. And beginning there and beginning in 13, which is kind of the end of the first half of the book, uh, Jesus begins to teach the crowds in parables. His disciples in verse 10 say, why are you teaching them in parables? Why are you using parables to teach the crowd? And so Jesus said to the disciples, to those who believe and trust in him, he said, the mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven are given to you. Now, in the New Testament, a mystery is basically something that was unknown, but now is known. It's, it's the idea of something uh, that, that can only be known because God reveals it to you. You see, we are Christians because God revealed himself to us. He revealed that we were lost. He revealed that we needed a Savior. He began to open our eyes to his truth. Uh, and he revealed himself to us. And all truth about salvation is revealed truth. We can't know about it unless someone tells us about it, unless God reveals it to us through His Word and through the witnesses of others by the power of His Holy Spirit. Uh, And so, you and I were lost without hope. Uh, We didn't even know we needed to be saved, right? But God opened our eyes and enabled us to believe. He revealed Himself to to us. To know about our need for a Savior, to know any truth of salvation, God has to reveal it to us. That's a mystery. That's something that he is showing to us. And Jesus said to those who believe, the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven have been given to them. But those mysteries have not been given to those who refuse to believe. If you refuse to believe, you will not be able to understand the deeper mysteries of the things of God. Now, Jesus taught in parables, those who believed were, uh, were, were getting to grow and, and, and their spiritual knowledge. But those who refused to believe could not really see those deeper truths. In fact, the scripture says it was the fulfillment of the prophecy. That those that hearing, you, even though they hear, they don't hear, they don't comprehend. Even though they see, they don't really see. You see, if you will not believe, if you refuse to believe, the scripture teaches, if you are stubborn and unresponsive and refuse to believe, one of the penalties for that is that you will be unable to embrace truth. You know, 2 Thessalonians 2, in verses 10 and 11, it teaches that if you refuse to believe the truth and be saved, God sent a strong delusion so you will believe what is false. Now, in our country today, people think, you know, you can be a secular person. You can reject the truth of Jesus, and you can just be a secular person, and and we'll move to a secular society. But what are we seeing all over our culture? We're seeing people embrace all kinds of religious ideas, Eastern religious ideas, pagan ideas, uh, ideas about reincarnation. Because, see, if you won't believe the truth, you will believe lies and the and if uh, if you refuse to believe the truth one of the judgments of God upon you is that you will believe what is false you can't remain neutral about Jesus if you refuse to believe the truth ultimately you will believe a lie if you reject truths you will ultimately embrace lies that's what that's one of the judgments that's what the scripture is teaching here But look at what Jesus says about his disciples. If you believe and embrace him and his truth, blessed are your eyes for they see 
and your ears, for they hear. Truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to hear what you hear and did not uh, and did not hear it, and see what you see and did not see it. You see, as you believe and you follow Jesus, you continue to grow in God's truth. Yes, there are things. You don't just comprehend it immediately, but you are able to begin to comprehend it. You are able to grow in it. Uh, You are able to learn it because you are seeking to follow Jesus. You have embraced and believed in him. Uh, Our eyes and ears are truly blessed, for we can see and hear and know the truth of God as we follow Jesus. You see, the child who believes the scripture we read not just a few minutes ago, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life, understands more about, the, about life than, than someone with 10 PhDs that doesn't believe that. Responded to Jesus in saving faith enables us to be to believe and comprehend uh, God's truth. But there's a second principle I want you to see about responding to God's truth, and that's this. Responding in faith to Jesus enables your life to count for eternity. Responding in faith to Jesus enables your life to count for eternity. Now, Jesus told seven parables in Matthew 13, all about the nature of the kingdom of God. They are parables of the kingdom. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. You remember, the kingdom of God is a major theme of Matthew, and it should be a major theme of our lives. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, we are to pray for the kingdom of God to come on the earth. We are to pray for it to advance, to go into places where it it has not gone. We are to seek and pray for the arrival of the kingdom of God. Now, the truth is, the kingdom is now and it's future. Because if you've embraced Jesus as the king of your life and believed in him as Lord and Savior, then you are part of the kingdom. And we are part of the kingdom as as the corporate body of uh, believers. Uh, but but it's not here completely because one day Jesus is going to return and he's going to he's going to right every wrong uh, and that's going to happen. It's here but it's not yet fully arrived. And so Jesus said, "This is what the kingdom of God is like." And and the first parable kind of stands by itself is the parable of the sower. A sower went out to sow. As he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil. Immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns and, and, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came back to that and they heard the parable and they knew it meant something more than they were understanding. So they said, Lord, what, what are you talking about? What's the, what's the deeper meaning of the parable? And the deeper meaning of the parable is basically that there are four kinds of receptions that people uh, have when the gospel is presented to them, when the word of God is presented to them. The first kind of reception is when the gospel is planted on hard uh, and compacted soil. In Israel, you know, we think of farming and we think of maybe, you know, 200 acre farms or, in, you know, wheat farms can be 1,000, 2,000 acre farms. 
Um, but, but they had little patches where they would grow basically food for their families. And in between these patches, people would have different kind of sections, kind of like the community gardens, you know, we, we have here. But there would be hard paths between uh, uh, people's sections. And so some of that seed would fall on those hard paths. And because it, cannot, it could not take root, the birds of the air came and they would, they would eat the seed before it, uh, because it could not be planted. Uh, and so Jesus said, uh, if you come, uh, when anyone hears the word and the, of the kingdom, does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. That's what was sown along the path. You see, an incorrect response to the word of God is to be so busy, so focused on life, that it makes no impression whatsoever. That what they hear, it just doesn't connect at all. The second way to receive the word is a, is a shallow and unthinking way. It says, uh, what was sown on the rocky ground, this is one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, he endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. This person hears it, he gets caught up in the emotion, and he thinks that the gospel is given simply to provide him with prosperity and a better way of living. They don't understand the gospel in its essence. They do not understand the gospel is given to save us from sin so that we might live for the glory of God. They do not understand the gospel is, is to make us right with God so that we can be forgiven. And we can also take that message of reconciliation to the world. It's given that you and I may be conformed to the image of Jesus. It doesn't, it's not given so that we won't have any problems in life. It's not given so that we might have the greatest life now. It's given so that we might live for the glory of God now and forever. Uh, if you have a shallow understanding of the gospel, when hard times come, when tribulation and pressures, uh, you will fall away. And you'll say, that's not what I signed up for. That's not what I signed up for. So that's the second way to receive the gospel, just emotionally, but never really understanding. Uh, as Lydia was talking, she talked about processing the things that God was talking to her about. You know, don't just react to them emotionally, but process them. What is he saying to me? What do I need to do because of what God is saying? Uh, the third way to receive the word is, uh, is the person who, uh, who it gets planted, but, but because his life is filled with so many other things, the fruitfulness of the word gets choked out. He says, the one that was sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. You see, the person is unfruitful. They never really embrace the uh, living for God. They, they, their lives are always consumed by other things, other things. But there's a fourth and a correct way to respond to the gospel, and it's this. The what was sown on good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. The fourth receiver hears the word, he understands it, he takes it in, and the gospel produces abundant fruit in his life. You bear abundant fruit, and, and the fruit the bearing of the fruit is almost miraculous here. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. 
You see, the gospel brings great joy and blessings to your life, and it blesses all those around you. It's not some kind of hobby or religion. It is your life because Jesus is your life. You are in Christ, and He is in you. Four ways to receive the word, to receive the gospel. I believe that even as believers, we need to be careful how we receive God, God's word to us and how we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes I think I'm kind of like the first soil. I've, I believed in Jesus, but sometimes my life, I just don't comprehend what God's saying to me. I don't hear the still, small voice of God. Other times, I think I respond in shallow and emotional ways without having processed it. Sometimes I'm concerned so much about the future or on the problems and the difficulties of life that I'm not spiritually fruitful. I think that's true kind of in our lives at different times. But what all of us as believers especially, we need to pray that God might open open us up, that we might be ready to receive whatever he wants to say to us whenever he wants to say it. You see, basically this is... This, you embrace the gospel. If you embrace it, you will be fruitful. And if you just kind of embrace it, you won't be fruitful. But even in our lives as believers, we need to say, Lord, help me to embrace whatever you say to me when you say it. Help me not to be hard or shallow or choked out by the the cares of the world. You see, it's only in believing and receiving and living for Jesus that our lives are going to truly find meaning. You see, how does our life find meaning? In in being a part of the mission that God is a part of. And that means different things for different people. But but you and I are basically always to be on mission with God. And yes, we, we need to think about, does God want me to stay here? Does he want me to go around the world? And sometimes we need to think... Maybe I need to think about going around the world because there's a greater need in many places in the world than it is than there is here. You know, we need to not excuse ourselves from thinking about the world. All Christians are to be on mission to take the gospel to the entire world. And we have to consciously remind ourselves of those kind of things. So are we... Are we hard soil or shallow or, or are we so concerned with the things of this life that we forget that what matters is walking with Jesus and, uh, and living for His glory? Are we open and receptive to truly hearing and living for the glory of God all the time? Where are you today? Have you responded to Jesus in saving faith? Which will enable you to believe all spiritual truth. You know, if you believe in Jesus, sometimes you think, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to understand this. I'm never going to grow. But I want you to know, if you believe, you're going to grow. God's going to help you. God's going to take you where you need to be. Because he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Don't be discouraged by what you can't do or what you don't understand, but just embrace what you do. But but if you will not believe, if you refuse to believe, and mainly this is talking about obstinate, persistent unbelief, then ultimately you will believe a lie. How are you going to respond to God's truth today? 
Those who respond to truth receive more truth. And those who reject truth become more and more deceived. Today, if you hear the voice of God's Spirit saying anything to you, calling you to believe and receive in Jesus especially, but leading you to do any other thing, say yes to Him today. Heavenly Father, we praise You that You are God. There is none beside You. We thank You, Lord, that You enabled us to believe. Lord, You revealed Yourself to us. I pray that whatever You would say to us today, before we even know what You'd have us to do, we'd say yes. Yes, Lord, I'll do it because I know Your ways are always best. Lord, I just pray that You would just help us to proclaim this gospel. And Father, help us not to worry so much about how others will receive it, but just to proclaim it so that those who need it, those who are close to it, those uh, who, uh, who need to respond to the gospel, Lord, can hear it and believe and be saved. Work in our lives in mighty ways. In Jesus' name, amen.